This is not just a sermon, neither is it just a teaching. You're about to hear a message from God that will empower and equip you and cause you to excel in life here on earth and in eternity in heaven. Get ready for a transformation by the Word of God. Praise God. All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Isaiah 61, verses 1, 2, 3. All right, let's take the reading from uh, the New King James Version. Isaiah 61, and then verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let us read on. It says that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. By the grace of God, I'm going to preach on what I've chosen to title this morning, Beauty for Ashes. Tell three people around you, there is beauty for your ashes. Some of you only told one person. I told you to tell three so I can take time to drink my water very well. <laughs> you did not cooperate. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Beauty for ashes. Ashes in the Bible days were a picture of sorrow. Ashes were a picture of being downcast and of depression. Depression today has become an epidemic in our world. And I couldn't understand, I could understand why depression was on the rise in my native country, Nigeria, because of the economic downturn of our country. Life has become more difficult for people. Challenges have risen and escalated in recent years. Just to edge out a living has become a mirage for many. And so if they are downcast, I understand. But what I don't understand is why depression is on the rise in America. And especially in Canada. I remember going to Canada recently and I was told about uh, the safety nets, the social safety nets the country has provided for her citizens. How they give you allowances for your children. How they pay you your salary for several months after you lose your job. And I said, why should people be depressed in a nation like that, but alas, they are. And I've come to realize, therefore, that there are many reasons why people get depressed. But ashes here are certainly a picture of sorrow. As a picture of sorrow, it's a picture of emotional pain. A picture of a sense of loss. A picture of a sense of betrayal at times, and I've discovered that what causes depression is, are not just uh, things that are financially related. At times they are uh, relational. At times they are social, yes. And at times they are spiritual. 
emotional pain, when people are hurt, when people are betrayed, when people are emotionally abused or verbally abused, they feel very hurt and some become even sorrowful. And at times when friends betray us, when spouses betray us, we can find ourselves in this picture of sorrow, just depressed, downcast. Ashes are also not just a picture of sorrow, but they are also a picture of hopelessness. When people feel hopeless, when people cannot see tomorrow. And I remember as a 14-year-old boy finishing high school many years in Nigeria, and um, I did not uh, qualify uh, to uh, go into any tertiary institution to further my education. And um, I was very sad, and uh, sadness now slid uh, into a, a depression when um, my father uh, encountered some business problems and he could not give me money to go back to school. Couldn't go back to high school. An uncle came, gave me some money, but because of the abject poverty, my father even collected it and spent it. <laughs> and so I couldn't see the future. I just lacked the courage to kill myself, but I thought about it over and over and over again. And so I understand when people get suicidal at times, it's because they don't see a reason for living. They don't see any reason why they should uh, continue into the future. If there's no future, if there's no certainty that I, tomorrow will be better, then why am I alive? I can as well take my life if there is no hope. Such hopelessness results when at times time has run out on us. Too old, too old to have a baby. Too old to get married. The door is closed to start a new business. When doors are closed, we have this sense of hopelessness. When we can see the future, we have this sense of hopelessness. And so ashes are a picture of hopelessness. And no wonder people are depressed. Number three, ashes are a picture of failure. Business downturn. Academic failure. Spiritual downfall. There are times when people who love the Lord, who want to please the Lord, have struggled, silent, secret struggles, trying to overcome them. And they are finding it very difficult to overcome. And some are out of desperation, even in their lives. I've heard stories like that before. They feel like they failed God. They feel like God will never forgive them. Some even feel they've committed the unpardonable sin. And God will not have mercy on them. Of course, that's a lie of the devil. But ashes are fortunately a picture of grief. Deep grief. At times there's a loss of a loved one. At times there's a loss of a pregnancy. At times there's a loss of a child. And people are grieving. And so, these are reasons why people get depressed. However, whenever we get depressed like that, there are three responses we can give depression. There are three responses that as uh, human beings we can give to it and as children of God that we can give. And number one, we can sit on our ashes. Sitting on the ashes means we decide to spend the rest of our lives complaining and mourning and groaning and lamenting about the problem. This seems to be a natural default for every human being. When there are challenges, we just want to sit down and complain and grow and groan and mourn and cry and just, and just sorrow over it. 
At times, we play the blame game. Talking about, oh, it was, it was my father was responsible for it. Oh, it was my mommy. Oh, if only my brother had helped me. Oh, if only my sister had done this. Oh, if only my uncle was alive to his responsibility. Oh, if not for the wastage that, 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 my, that, my, that my wife uh, you, you, you know, uh, did. Oh, if not for, for my mistake yesterday. Oh, we can just go on moaning and complaining and groaning and lamenting endlessly. It's one of our responses. Second possible response, which is worse, is that we can now eat the ashes. And this is when we begin to choke on our remorse, on our bitterness. This is when we allow the problem to affect us so badly. It's affecting our health. Proverbs 17 verse 22 says that a merry heart do it good like medicine, but a broken spirit is, is a dries up the bones. A broken heart will dry up your very bones. Of course, the bone marrow is there. Isaiah 44 verse 20. He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. And he cannot deliver his soul. Nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? What a picture of Israel at a time when Israel was feeding on her ashes rather than turn back to God. They were lamenting about their iniquity and the resultant judgment that had come from God. And rather than pick themselves up and realize that no matter how far away you are from God, you can always turn back to him. No matter how dark the night, God can shine his light on it. No matter how terrible the problem, God can turn it around. He can bring water out of the rock. He can rain down quails in the desert. He can part the Red Sea into two. There is nothing that our God cannot do. Our Lord God who made the heaven and the earth. Is there anything too difficult for you? But the devil likes to give us a sense that there is no way, that there is no hope. But the devil is a liar. For as long as there is a God who sits in the heaven, he is the mighty way maker, the unchanging changer, the one who created the earth out of nothing, who brought visibility out of invisibility. He can fix your problem. He can solve the problem. He can provide a solution. He can turn things around. He can bring about the breaking of the day our God can give you a brand new day there's nothing too late for him he created time and he lives outside of time he can reverse it he can suspend it he can accelerate it there is nothing he cannot do to time there is nothing that is too late for him. Absolutely nothing. No situation is impossible. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Which science can prove to us how light can come out of darkness? Light coming out of darkness is a complete impossibility. But sir, we are not talking science, we are talking God. Yeah, the moment we bring God into the equation, everything changes and we have God God on our side. We have God in our lives. He never promised that you won't go through the fire nor that you will not pass through the water. But he said when you go through the fire, it will not consume you. When you pass through the water, it will not overflow you. He said because I will be with you. The psalmist said, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So he is with you when you are on the mountain top and he's with you when you are in 
in the lowest valley. He is with you when you walk the lonely road. He is with you when you are walking the dark night. On the mountaintop, in the valley, the Lord is my portion in the land of the living. He has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. Our God, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That was what the psalmist said in Psalm 46 verse 1. A very present help in trouble. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Oh, I love that uh, a picture frame where uh, footprints, it's titled. And, and, and in that, that footprint story, there were, there were uh, four, four footprints showing two people walking. And then in the fiercest part of the storm, there was only a pair remaining. And a man told the Lord, Lord, apparently you are with me in my journey. But when the storm got fierce, you left me, Lord. Why did you leave me? He said, I did not leave you. I carried you. I carried you. So it's my own footprint you saw there. At that point, when I knew you couldn't handle it, I carried you through it. That's why you survived. You've been looking at what you don't have and looking at what you lost, but you've not looked at the fact that you survived. Some people went through what you went through and they had a nervous wreck. Others went through it and they died. Or some went through it. They didn't, even, they, 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 didn't, they lost their memory. They don't even know their names anymore. Look at you. You survived. You're still sitting there. You're still standing there. You still have the ability to work a job. Look at you. You still have your life. You survived. You made it through. Through, through the divorce, through the pain, through the loss, through the through, through the loss of job, through the loss of career, through the loss of a child, you are still here. Tap your neighbor, say you are still here, my brother. You are still here, my sister. You survived. How did you? God sustained you, and He sustained you so that you will not sit on your ashes. No, eat your ashes. You survived because God wants you to take the third response to your ashes. The third thing we can do to our ashes is to move beyond our ashes. You can move beyond your ashes. You can move into God's plan and God's purpose for your life. <laughs> God can take the ashes and then make something good out of them. The very situation that's brought you the depression. God can take it and turn it around for your good. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, not they may be comforted. They shall be comforted. Jesus said you will be comforted. Yes. Comfort is on the way for you. Yes. Consolation is on the way for you. No, don't tell me I'm comforted when I'm hungry, except you bring me food. Don't tell me I'm comforted when I'm sick, except you bring me healing. No, in other words, God will solve the problem. He will put an end to it. This thing is not going to last forever. It will come to pass. You will have a testimony. The test is for testimony. The trial is for a trial. The adversity is to bring you an advantage. At the end of the day, all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So move beyond your ashes and let there be a difference of attitude and perspective to the situation. 
In James 1, 2 to 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Interesting. As I'm going through what I'm going through, it's working patience in me. It's building my character. It's making me a better person. And it says I need this character development for me to come to the place where I will be mature and I will lack nothing. Nothing necessary for my destiny. So this thing that the enemy means for my evil, God is working it together for my good. And now that I'm married and I'm facing challenges in my marriage, God is stretching me and giving me opportunity to develop character. If I abort the process, then I stop maturing, I stop growing. If I take the line of least resistance and I jump out of the relationship, then I cannot have the opportunity to become who God wants me to become. I love 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. It shows me how that there is purpose in my pain. It shows me how that there is purpose in this pain I'm going through. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I love that God of all comfort who comforts us in all attributes. I want you to just notice the word all, all in this verse of scripture. It says the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all. All our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We will be able to comfort others who are in any trouble with the same comfort with which we are comforted. He says God is a God of all comfort. He can comfort those who are mourning. He can comfort those who have lost loved ones. He can comfort those who have lost business. He can comfort those who have lost their health. He can comfort those who have lost their name. He can comfort people because he's a God of all comfort. It does not matter what kind of comfort you need this morning. I may not know your comfort. Your neighbor may not know your comfort. Your pastor may not know the comfort you need. But God knows the comfort you need and he is the God of all comfort. There's no kind of comfort that he does not have. He is the omnipotent comforter who can comfort with all manners of comfort and comfort people in all manners of situation. And the Bible now tells me that I should move beyond my own ashes because if I can move beyond it God wants to use me. There is a purpose at the end of this pain. God knew from the foundation of the world Satan will throw it at me and he permitted me to go through it because there is a purpose he is walking at the end of the day. The devil is going to bite his finger and regret allowing me to go through this thing because by the time I come out of it, I am going to be busy pulling people out and pulling people out and pulling people out. The same problem God sends me out from, that God delivers me from, he sends me back to. He says, go deal with that same problem. Are you going through sickness today? The birthing of a healing ministry is taking place. Are you going through financial struggles? You are the one that will fit the hungry, cut the naked, send the poor to school. I don't know what you are going through, but God says I should tell you, you are going to be the comforter of tomorrow. Oh yes, the mourner of today is the comforter of tomorrow. In the name of Jesus Christ, blessed be the God of all comfort to comfort
comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort others also who are in any trouble. Oh yes, because he can comfort with all comfort in all situations. By the time we are out, we are able to comfort people who are in any trouble. In other words, there's nothing you are going through. Somebody else has not gone through before. And somebody went through it and came out with a victory song. And because he came out, he can now reach back to you and show you how he made it through. Glory be to God. So that we may comfort others who are in any trouble with the same comfort. Somebody said with the same comfort. With which we ourselves are comforted. You see? So there is a comfort God has for you. If you embrace that comfort, at the end of the day, God will now use you to take the same comfort with which he has comforted you. And you will now comfort others with it. Hmm. Hallelujah. Such is my life. Because I have a story of failure. And God turned it around. I have a story of sickness. I used to be so sickly. All my life was just a life of sickness. All the time, so sick. The devil told me I would never live to be 30. Because of sickness. He told me I would die young. Then I got born again as a teenage boy at 16. <laughs> and I came into the revelation knowledge of Christ's redemptive work on Calvary's cross. That he paid the price for my sins and paid the price for the consequences of my sins. Including sickness. I found healing in the redemptive work of Christ. And divine healing became mine. And today he has given me a healing ministry. Thousands upon thousands have been healed in the last few decades of ministry. That God has given me. The last 30 years I've been praying for the sick. And they've been getting healed everywhere I go. I will pray for the sick when I'm done preaching this morning. And Jesus will heal them. Yeah. Because he has comforted me with his healing power. Glory be to God. Yeah. Come and look at your neighbor and say there's purpose in your pain. Say God will use you to bring others out. Hallelujah. The fact that God is going to use me to bring others out is proof positive that I am not going to be in this situation forever. I will not be in this situation forever. Oh, let's make progress with this message. Look at God's provisions. Let's look at God's provisions right now for my comfort. Let's look at God's provisions. When, I, when I'm depressed, should I stay depressed? No. Look at God's provision. And the God's provision, number one, is a beauty for ashes. The word beauty here actually means tara. Just like you see a bride on a wedding day put a tara around her head. And it's a beautiful ornament. It's symbolic of a spirit of celebration. God says, come into the spirit of celebration. How can I come into a spirit of celebration when my situation is nothing to celebrate? <laughs> That is where you realize how God gives this wonderful provision to you. Because he gives this wonderful provision to you through his precious holy word. Listen to these few scriptures. Proverbs 1 verses 8 to 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head. And chains about your neck. In other words, it's going to be beauty around your head. That is what he's saying. Glory to God. 
Again, in Proverbs 4, verses 7 to 9, it says, Wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. When you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hallelujah. That is what wisdom will do to you. The wisdom of God is found in the word of God. Oh, yes. Paul told Timothy how he had become wise unto salvation from his youth because uh, he became, because of the Holy Scriptures, how he knew the Holy Scriptures from his youth and therefore became wise unto salvation. The word of God contains the wisdom of God. Whoever embraces the word of God embraces the wisdom of God. Joshua 1, 8 says, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to, uh, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. One translation of the Bible says, Thou shalt know how to deal wisely in the affairs of this life. The wisdom of God is found in the word of God. So I come into the spirit of celebration when I allow what the word of God has got to say about my situation to become my focus. In other words, the doctors have said it is cancer. They said I have six months to live. But then I look into the Bible and the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That you might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. I focus on the word of God that says himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I focus on Psalm 103 verses 1 to 3. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is with Within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who healeth all. As he can heal headaches, so can he heal cancer. Oh yeah, he heals all thy diseases. I focus on the word of God. And I allow the reality of the word of God to lead me into a spirit of celebration. Because the truth of the word of God tells me that I am well, even though I feel sick. When I began to embrace healing and the redemptive work of Christ, I remember, uh, you know, just telling the Lord one time, I'm not even going to allow anything, any medical, uh, any medication on my body this time. Oh God, I know your word is true and I'm going to stand on it. Unfortunately, seven days later, the symptoms were still on my body. And then finally I cracked. I went to be the Lord, the Lord. Why is it that you have been standing on your wall for seven days and, and, and the symptoms are still on my body? Heal me! Huh? <laughs> I got angry with God. And the voice spoke up from my spirit, loud and clear, saying, The just shall live by faith. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> Crying and complaining, griping and groaning is not faith. And then I settled back to God's word. God's word says, I'm healed. And if God's word says, I'm healed, I'm healed. Nothing is truer than the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Says John 17, 17. The word of God is the truth concerning my situation. And just as I settled into that, that voice from within me spoke and said, Sick people don't lie down on the bed. They attend birthday parties. Because there was a brother who had a birthday party that day and I was not going to go because I was under the symptoms of sickness. So I got up. I'm healed. 
and dressed up. We're going to party, heal people, go to a birthday party. So I put on my dress. So I was at the party dancing when I was like, oh. <laughs> I just suddenly realized no more pains. No more temperature. No more headaches. No more symptoms in my body. Glory be to God. I entered into the spirit of celebration. I allowed beauty in the place of my ashes. No, sir. The celebration will not begin when the problem has gone. The celebration begins before the problem lives. That's why Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Thanksgiving does not begin after the testimony has come. Thanksgiving does not begin after the problem is solved. Thanksgiving starts from the prayer request because God has settled the problem in his word and I'm going to celebrate him on credit. Oh yes, I'm going to celebrate him on credit. Has somebody ever given you anything on credit before? They gave it to you because of trust. They trusted you are going to pay back. When your bank trusts you, they approve your mortgage. When your bank trusts you, they approve your car payment. When your bank trusts you, they give you money on credit. They trust that you are going to pay back because they trust you. Can you praise him in advance? Can you thank God in advance? Can you dance in advance? Can you celebrate in advance? Glory be to God. Provision number two. The oil of joy for mourning. The word oil is symbolic of the anointing in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. In that day shall his burden be lifted from off your shoulders and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Literally some translation says because of the oil. It's because the oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And so, if the Bible says the oil of joy here, it's talking about an anointing of joy. In Galatians 5.22, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and then it lists other things. And it calls it the fruit of the Spirit. This is what flows out from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of joy. In Psalm 46 verse 4, it says that there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Aren't we the city of God? Jesus calls us the city of God. He says, a city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. And now the psalmist says that there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The streams of the river of God, who is the Holy Spirit, will make glad the city of God. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah told the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. When good things happen, then we are happy. This is not happiness. This is the joy of the Lord. So even when the situation is not palatable, when the circumstance is not such as I should rejoice, if I have the joy of the Lord, I can be rejoicing. I caught, like Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, he said, although the fig tree shall not blossom and there shall be no fruit in the vine, the produce of the olive shall fail and the fields yield no meat. Though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no hurt in the stall, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Hallelujah. 
I will joy in the God of my salvation. He said, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make it like the feet of the deer. In other words, when I rejoice in the midst of my depression, when I rejoice in the midst of my negative circumstances, if I embrace the anointing of joy and I do not allow the devil to keep me down, God will give me divine acceleration. He will give me supernatural speed when he makes my feet like the feet of the deer. The deer is very fast in the wild. I will become very fast in the journey of life. All the time that I have lost will be recovered. All the things that I have lost will be recovered. It's restoration time for you. Hallelujah! Your God wants you to embrace the anointing of joy. There's an anointing of joy he has provided for you. How do I tap into it? By faith. Praise God. You know, one day I was watching CNN and uh, there was something very funny that was going on on CNN that they looked very stupid. You know, these very few second things they, they do. There were just a, a, a group of people, they held hands together and they were just laughing. <laughs> nothing, laughing for nothing. They were just laughing. <laughs> and then they now wrote that it has been discovered from research that the, that the brain does not know the difference between a false laughter, a fake laughter and a real one. Now, when people laugh, it, you know, there are certain positive enzymes, positive fluids released in the body that are good for health. That's why the Bible says that a merry heart do it good like medicine. It's been proven medically. You know, I don't know the details right now. I've read it before, but I've forgotten those medical jargons. But there are certain enzymes, good enzymes that help build immunity that are released in the body when you are happy and when you are laughing. So they now say the brain does not know the difference between uh, the laughter that is from your belly and the one that you are faking. So once you are just laughing like this, you'll be releasing the thing to help your immunity. <laughs> Hallelujah. So on CNN that day, I just want to be laughing. <laughs> so I tell people, I say, so it is very easy. Whenever I want to tap into the joy of the Lord, I just start by faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there are times when I'm doing it like that, and then it's just the one in my spirit now begins to bubble up and begins to bubble up because the fruit of the spirit is joy. That's a joy of the Lord that is in my spirit, man. And it begins to bubble forth, and the fake laughter becomes a real laughter, it becomes a supernatural one. Hallelujah! Before long, I'm dancing a real dance. <laughs> was Kenneth E. Hagen of blessed memory that mentioned how that one sister in the Lord came to his house one day and said, I think I've, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, why? You know, I don't have the joy of the Lord anymore. I've lost the joy of salvation. I, I don't feel I'm saved anymore. Some people just live their lives by feelings. <laughs> the Bible says we walk by faith. Not by sight. You don't always feel saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's really when somebody has offended you and you feel like revenging seriously. It's only the Holy Ghost holding you back. You don't feel saved. <laughs> but you cannot judge by your feelings. You judge by what the word of God says concerning you. Can I hear somebody say amen? So just start laughing by faith. Just start rejoicing by faith. And you will see that supernaturally, the Holy Ghost will take over. The wine of the Spirit of God will be re released to you. Third provision, garment of praise. Garment of praise. In Bible days, special garments were made, ornamental garments were made for celebration. Even till today, when we have special celebrations, we dress specially. Uh, I don't know how well Americans know about that, but if you don't know about that, come visit Nigeria. Especially in December. 
the month of weddings and come see us dress royally come see us dress in amazing ways when I, we have a married daughter and when she got married December 27th man the garment they put on me I was sweating under that garment <laughs> that was the first time I'll ever wear it that was the last time I wore it I have no plans to ever wear it anymore <laughs> But it made me feel very royal and regal and flamboyant. It's the tradition. <laughs> the garment of praise is our own. In Christ Jesus. And the Bible says this garment of praise has been given to us in the place of the spirit of heaviness. When the spirit of depression comes and it's weighing heavy on you and I. Causing that terrible mood disorder. To come upon us. We need to contact the spirit of praise. You say how? How can I contact the spirit of praise? To start with the Holy Spirit is the spirit of praise. is on the inside of you. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says. And be not drunk with wine. We are in his excess. But be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. But when it's difficult for me to get myself there and to stir myself up there, when I'm too weighed down by this cloud of heaviness, then thank God for extra help. Glory to God. The evangelist who led us in praise and worship this morning is so anointed. He cannot be leading and you'll be looking. You, know? you feel like tapping your feet. Glory to God. You feel like moving your body. Is that not so? Come and get yourself some good praise songs, some good praise music and put it on and listen to it over and over again till that spirit of praise comes on you. Then join and sing along. Join and dance along. Do it alone in your bedroom. Shake off the heaviness. Let the power of the Holy Ghost break that yoke of depression over you. The devil is a liar. It's what I do. There's nobody that the devil will not try to weigh down with heaviness. There are times when things that ought not to weigh us down, weigh us down. Problems that we can solve weighing us down. I'll never forget as a very young man, you know, as a very young pastor, the Lord leading me for, for the church to buy a particular property. Now, this is going to sound stupid to you because you live in a credit society. But what happened was, we found this, this, this landed property. We couldn't afford it, but I felt led of the Lord to go ahead and we should buy it. We, we, so, I negotiated for three installments. Myself and, 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 and another trustee of the church did the negotiations on behalf of the church. And, and we were to pay in three installments. And we had the first installment already in savings. So we, get, we, we paid. Uh, and then I went to the church and told the church, hey, we paid the first installment now, but this is the amount of money, so let's raise the funds. We raised funds in the church. The funds were able to pay just the second installment, and then the third installment we couldn't pay. So, and, and I don't believe in putting pressure on God's people. So, um, uh, the suggestion came from the trustee, why don't we loan the remaining money and then we pay back. We loan the money and then all hell broke loose on the church finances. And the finances were not coming in. And it was difficult to pay. And then I couldn't sleep anymore. I couldn't sleep anymore. We were paying so gradually, we couldn't pay enough. <laughs> 
And I was so weighed down. Now, the interesting thing was, the Lord had spoken to me at the beginning of that year that it was a year of laughter for us. That as we laugh, he will be doing miracles. So we were laughing and the miracles began. As soon as this problem came, I stopped laughing. Depression came. I stopped laughing. The congregation stopped laughing. Of course, the miracles stopped. <laughs> and I forgot all about, I forgot all about what God said. I was just weighed down. Now, we were, at this time, we were using a hotel facility to worship. And uh, uh, the guy who owned the hotel was not a believer at all. One day he called me, he said, come here, young man. He said, I want to talk to you. He said, for you to have this kind of crowd that comes to your church, you must have some spiritual power. That was how he de described it. <laughs> you must have something that draws people. He said, moreover, uh, you know, I, I've noticed once you, because it was the second time we were using his premises. He said, once you are in my premises, my sales go up. He said, there's something on you. He said, but you've been owing me money for the first time in recent times. He said, and so I know that there's a disconnection. There's a spiritual disconnection. That was what he told me. What he was saying was true. Even though he was not talking about the Holy Spirit when it comes to himself. He, he, was, he was operating in another realm. He told me, he said, there's a spiritual disconnection. He said, he said that's why, he said, whenever I find myself in, in problem in my business like that, he said, I, I sent to, to the temple in India. They sent me some music. He said, I listen to it. It takes me to a frequency. He said, when I get into that frequency, whatever I see or direction I get in that frequency, I just do it and the problem is solved. <laughs> I was looking at him. As he was saying that, I was like, whoa. Frequency. <laughs> India, music. No, but as he was saying it, I was drawing my parallels. As, as he was saying it, Philippians 4, 6 just came to my heart. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Ah, then I remembered Matthew 13, that when the seed was sown and it fell among thorns, Jesus described the thorns as the chaos of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. God is speaking his word. I can't even hear it because the thorns of chaos, worry, anxiety in my heart were not allowing me to discern the voice of God. Huh. So I took opportunity one day when I was out of town preaching shortly after that and I prayed and poured out my heart to God. Cast all my care upon him. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I make a promise from this morning I'm not going to worry anymore about it. And God's peace flooded my soul. When God's peace flooded my soul, then I discerned his voice. I told you this year is the year of laughter. You have stopped laughing. Start laughing again. Go back and tell the congregation to start laughing again. As you laugh, the miracles will start again. And then he said to me, go on that land and break the ground and begin the building project. Uh -huh. Somebody said, ha. Ah. That was exactly what one of the associate pastors said. Ha. Ah, we are in debt. You now want to start the project. How shall these things be? <laughs> and we just obeyed the Lord. We did a groundbreaking project. One of the pastors later told me, said, I'm very sorry, sir. I actually thought that it was a mental problem. That 
that depression had led to something else. That's why you are doing groundbreaking. But the truth was that we broke the ground. One month into the project, the heavens opened. Finances poured and poured and poured. If I once once the heavens opened instantly, all the debt was paid, and within months, in eight months, the building was done by miracles. When we started laughing again. Your depression won't attract the blessing of God. Your tears are not the things that will bring them. No, not tears of sorrow, not the groaning, not the complaining, not the self-pity. No, that is not what will bring the miracle. It is you embracing the word of God, beauty for your ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So let's talk about moving on. How do I move on practically? Number one, from where I am, this pit, where I am, I, with all you have preached, I'm not even in the mood to laugh, I'm not in the mood to dance. Where how do I start? Number one, encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself. <laughs> that was how David led his army out to battle before they came back. They had taken their wives and their children away in 1 Samuel 30. But the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. God is still there. You might have lost the house. God is still there. You might have lost the spouse. God is still there. Maybe you lost the pregnancy, but God is still there. Maybe you lost the job. God is still there. No matter what your losses are, God is still there. Hallelujah. Your tribulation is an opportunity for a new glory. Because our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us an exceeding, a far exceeding weight of eternal glory. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not seen are temporal, but the things which are seen are eternal. According to 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. So encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Let the word of God cheer you up. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Said the psalmist in Psalm 20 verse 7. Remember what God has done. Become like Sarah. The Bible says by faith Sarah received strength to conceive for she judged him faithful who had promised she judged somebody say judged judged means she came to a conclusion after analysis she just thought about it i come to think of it you know god came god said yes, she's gonna have a baby next year she laughed in in unbelief and then later she started thinking about it come to think about it too i know we are myself and honiwa when we started our journey out of padanaram really we had very few things at that time look at all the flocks god gave us look at all the herds look at the silver look at the gold everything god said he will do he has done the only thing that has not happened is this baby of a thing if God could have done all the rest, then he would do this also. I remember when, 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 when Sweetheart went out uh, with 318 soldiers, 318 men, to go and fight against thousands of soldiers. And he came back victorious. It was not by the power of his arms. It was not by the strength of his army. It was by the victory of the Lord that we won. Ah, God is faithful. For Heavenly Father, I'm sorry I laughed in unbelief. Now I laugh in faith. <laughs> I know you will do it. I know by this time next year, I may be 90 years old, but I carry my baby. She judged him faithful. 
she encouraged herself in the Lord her God. Number two, let the word of God comfort you. Let the word of God encourage you. Let it lift your spirit. No, let it surround yourself with the word of God. Come unto me, O you the labor, and a heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, light and you will find a rest unto your souls. So let the word of God comfort you. According to Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. In Psalm 119 verse 154 it says, plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. God's word will revive you once again. And then number three, pour your heart out in prayer for prayer empties the heart of its cares. Go and pour it out, pour it out. Pray your way to peace. This kind of prayer is the prayer you pray until you cross a line of confidence in the spirit. Prove, I'm sorry, Philippians 4-7 says that the peace of God will keep your heart and your mind. You see, when you have that kind of peace, you have crossed the line of confidence because you cannot worry about the situation anymore. You see, some other people burst into laughter and that is when they've crossed the line of confidence in prayer. My wife had a very protracted labor when our first daughter was going to be born. And I was truly very concerned about it. And they had said they were going to carry out surgery on her, I mean, which is okay. I don't argue with doctors. If the doctors want to carry out surgery, I don't say, don't touch my wife, don't do surgery. But because Christians don't argue with their mechanics, it's doctors they argue with. I don't know how smart that is. Because when it comes to life, I mean, when it comes to health, it has to do with life. And then when it comes to your car, all it has to do is fixing a machine. So... You don't argue with your mechanic when he says, this is the problem, that's the problem. When the doctor says, this is the problem, you say, no, don't touch her, please. She's going to have that baby supernaturally by the power of God when her life is on the line. That's not smart, sir. That's not smart. I didn't argue with them. In Nigeria, some of the provisions for surgery are not in the hospital. They will tell you to go buy them. They told me to go and buy blood. They told me to go and buy some injections. I went all around. I bought everything and I brought it to them. And then when I gave it to them, I now find myself a dark place in the hospital and then got on my knees. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you. A safe delivery by surgery is good, but the testimony of a supernatural childbirth, when the doctors have given up, is even a finer testimony. And I know you can do it. So I'm asking you, do it now. And buried my head in my knees and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I got to a certain point, I just discovered I couldn't pray anymore. A song welled up from my spirit. I have seen the Lord's goodness. His mercy and compassion. I have seen the Lord's goodness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh Lord, you have been so good. You are so good to me. Oh Lord, you are excellent. I sang the song. I danced and danced all by myself where I was alone. And as I danced and danced, I knew I had the victory. I went back to the delivery room. As soon as I entered into the place, my wife let out a yell. Ha! I think the baby is coming. <laughs> when she let out that yell, they said to the student doctor, go and comfort and calling that lady there. You know, we'll, we'll do our surgery shortly. You know, so he came and said, we'll, we'll, do, we'll soon do the surgery. I said, listen, I said, check my wife. My wife says she believes the baby is coming. Uh, uh, don't worry, sir. Because they had given up. 
you know, thank God, one Christian woman doctor, she left her residence. She said the Lord told her to just come over there to the place. And she came at that time. Uh, she's, she's a minister of the gospel. And I just asked her, please check my wife. She checked and discovered the baby was ready to come. In a few minutes, our daughter had come into the world. I prayed my way to peace. Find yourself a corner. Find yourself a place. Pour your heart out and pour it out and pray and pray till you cross that line of confidence in the spirit. Once you cross it, then go ahead and switch over and embrace the provisions that I listed earlier. That spirit of celebration, that oil of joy, that garment of praise because all it takes is for you to be on the lookout. Something is about to happen in your life. You will see God's divine intervention. Don't allow depression to weigh you down anymore. It is not worth it. Because there is a God who sits on his throne in heaven. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, God has spoken once, twice I heard it. That power belongeth unto God. I round up with the story of Martin Luther, the great reformer. One time he was wet down by all the challenges that he was facing against the Catholic Church during the Reformation. And as he was facing all those challenges, he became downcast and depressed. The wife had spoken to him over and over again. He will not be comforted. She decided to do something drastic to get his attention. She put on mourning clothes, black all over. And was walking quietly around the house like that. He saw her and was like, Hey, sweetheart, what happened? Who died? She looked at him with all the sorrow she could put on her face. And said, God died. He retorted, don't be ridiculous. The almighty God cannot die. But don't do a blasphemy. That's blasphemy before the Lord. Then she screamed at her and said, then quit acting like it. Quit acting like God is dead. If he's not dead, husband, quit acting like it. My brother, if God is not dead, quit acting like it. My sister, quit acting like it. There's a God in heaven. He will heal your body. He will restore your job. He will put your baby back to school. He will set that family member free from drugs. He will do what you cannot do for yourself. God bless you. The word is already working in you. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more messages and information about the church, please visit us at www.rccglivingspring.org.